Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Your middle week fixes here. It's Fightful Overbooked. We're in the weeds. I am at Joel Pearl as always, but I got a new friend with me today. I brought uh, someone I promised I would bring in if ever Jeremy is away, and I got him. SB3 is here from True Heel Heat. How are you doing, SB3? Oh, and more importantly, from FMC here on Fightful Overbooked. <laughs> you know it. People, people couldn't get a week without me. We didn't do FMC yesterday, so had to be here in the weeds back on the show i'm the sixth man of in the weeds I, I love being on here i was on here for pretty much a whole week with with jeremy and now i get to be with the, my favorite canadian or one half of my favorite canadians in the wrestling media game you were tempest you're the one that can see your face though so uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the lead today uh joe burrow one of the nicest, kindest individuals in the game. And you know that because you're here to watch In the Weeds. Come on. They're not here to watch In the Weeds. They're here, they're here to leave a like. They're here to they're here to subscribe to Fightful Overbooked. They're here to drop a super chat, support us financially here at Fightful Overbooked. If they so choose, if they're able to. If not, the likes and the subs. That's free. That's good. Uh, SP3, we got so much to, to, to talk about today. We got so much on the slate. It's been otherwise, though, a pretty quiet couple of days since Monday. I mean, Raw was Raw. We got Dynamite that's coming up uh, tonight with a big collision announcement. We'll talk about that. Uh, but really, I mean, man, there's we, we were talking off air that there it, there hasn't been much in the next in the last 48 hours. But coming up in the next 72, there are a bunch of shows. Uh, you had just finished recording one, didn't you? Yes, we, me and my good friend Jane News for the True Hill Heat YouTube channel uh, finished recording a preview for All Together Again as New Japan's era of collaboration uh, continues as they'll be collaborating with two of the other top promotions in Japan, All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Noah for All Together Again. Got the huge uh, Battle of the Aces six-man tag as it's going to be Tadahashi teaming with Kento Miyahara and uh, Kaito Kiyomiya, and Kaito Kiyomiya is going to be on the opposite side of the man that he made the angriest dad in the world, Kazuka Okada, and he's going to team up with Yuma Ayaki, and I believe, who's the fourth? Oh, Keno, the most miserable man in wrestling. So, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, but we, yeah, we were saying we got a busy week. All the busyness is going to come after tonight. You got Dynamite, then Friday, you got that show, you got Against All Odds from Impact Wrestling, you got Jey Uso choice on smackdown so you'll we'll have plenty you'll have plenty to talk about on friday and the rest of the week in the wrestling world a veritable who's who of wrestling to pick from uh myself and crest the star will be live after against all odds on friday to talk about that show that'll be on the, either here on fightful overbooked or it'll be on the main fightful channel we haven't decided yet because once in a while we want to make the make that decision 
Anyway, uh, Andrew Zarian's in the chat. Hey, Andrew, if you want to join us, if you want to come and, and bust bust balls with us for a little while, you are welcome to do that. I just put that out there. So here we are. Uh, where where should we start? I mean, Monday Night Raw and NXT last night gave us a, a certain glimpse into the potential future of World Heavyweight Champion Seth Rollins. He had his open challenge answered by Damian Priest and had the match with Priest over the on Raw. And on top of that, last night on NXT, Ron Breaker decided to lay out the challenge. So Seth Rollins being invited to Tuesdays to go defend that title in places uh, that are familiar to him. What do you think about Seth Rollins so far with this World Heavyweight Championship around his waist? Well, I've said it before, I'll say it again, he has an uphill battle because, you know, in a lot of the fans' minds and even WWE have said it in canon that the bloodline says that the World Heavyweight Championship is a consolation prize. So he has an uphill battle in that sense. But when you have matches like the one he had with Priest, which I thought was very good to great uh, type of matchup and really put over Damian Priest. But the really the thing that I like the most about it is that it told an overall arching story from what started with the promo segment with Priest, Balor, and Rollins to kick off the show. And then what happened in the matchup is they're telling the bigger story of the Seth Rollins Finn Balor rivalry, bringing up the callback to the Universal Championship matchup, the first ever one back at SummerSlam 2016 and how Rollins injured Balor's shoulder with that barricade bomb. And then he did the barricade bomb to Priest, which hurt his shoulder, which didn't allow him to capitalize when he hit South of Heaven during the matchup. And that brought Balor out to the to ringside when Priest didn't want him to be there. And they kind of sold the seeds of some dissension between Priest and Balor in the Judgment Day, which I will, I will put out there that I don't think it's the wisest decision to have another dissension between your factions when the bloodline thing is going on. I don't know if that was the wisest decision, but I think that it's going to be more of a slow burn than what's going on with the implosion of the bloodline. So I'm here for it. I'm here to wait and see and let it play out. But I like that story that they told in that matchup that followed up from Rollins kind of talking trash to Balor about injuring his shoulder and getting hurt when the last time he faced him. And then the stare down between those two guys to end the show kind of makes me believe we're going to get Balor and Rollins at Money in the Bank. And then you got Braun Breaker, who's out here injuring Ilya Dragunov backstage and then ending the night calling out Seth to come to NXT. I think the more that he has these title defenses, and it is a title that he makes the Workhorse Championship just like he made the Intercontinental Championship that back in 2018. If he's going to NXT, going on Monday Night Raw, the more times you see this new belt and he, the fact that he can defend it anywhere, anytime, any place, like Triple H said in the first promo, I think it's gonna better. It's gonna make it better off than it what it is right now. Are you of the mindset that this world title is secondary? Maybe has an uphill climb ahead of it, or are you seeing quote unquote the vision? No pun intended. When it comes to the way that Seth is defending these titles so openly and so readily uh, as maybe a way for him to make the title a little bit more of, of an important title in WWE in the eyes of fans. Yeah, I think the more, because Seth Rollins is one of, or if not the best wrestler in WWE today. So the more he defends the championship and has these good to great matches, it's going to add to the prestige and the credibility of this championship. As far as, you know, do I see it as a secondary title? I think 
yeah, it is. It is that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a, even an argument anymore that it is a secondary title, but the Seth is going to be the man responsible for how we view the championship three, six, a year, six months from now and in th- a year from now, he's going to establish that with this reign. So I think the fact that he would be versing someone like Braun Breaker, and that's really like going to be like kind of a tryout match for Braun Breaker because yes, he's been on the main roster and he's faced someone like Dolph Ziggler before, but he hasn't really, you know, faced a top notch main eventer on the WWE main roster. And Seth Rollins is that. So it would be very much kind of the biggest matchup of Braun Breaker's career and being, you know, going to NXT, that's going to make that show more watchable. So I think that the more eyes he puts on NXT and if NXT pops a big rating with Seth Rollins on it, that's any, that's only going to make him feel like a bigger star, but it's also going to make the world heavyweight championship seem like a bigger title. But what do you think? about like this whole like Seth potentially facing Braun Breaker and defending the championship outside of Monday Night Raw because my only issue with that is that they did say that this title is for Monday Night Raw and now you're already saying it's going to be defended on a different show so that's what's interesting to me is that you could have it so that Braun comes to Raw and has the title defense there or he he challenges for the title there um which gives more eyes on braun breaker as he starts to transition between main roster and nxt because you know let's face it the eyes on nxt are much different than the eyes on monday night raw there are more eyes on monday nights Uh, but at the same time like you said that title can potentially be defended quote unquote anywhere anytime triple h would uh would allow it so seth going down to nxt bring some eyeballs not nearly as many as are normally watching appointment television on monday uh so it's they, they've put themselves in an inst- in an interesting conundrum and not in a bad way this is it, it's not like they booked themselves into a corner they just booked themselves into a what's the best possible outcome for for our viewership being introduced to a talent that you know last time we saw him yeah he won the nxt championship on a random raw after mania where nobody cared so this is different. Also, it's not Dolph Ziggler. No offense to Dolph, but you know this is this is challenging for the World Heavyweight Championship, not challenging for the NXT title that was being tossed around at the time. So I would love to see where the story of Braun Breaker goes after the match with Seth, because again, are you starting to play up the the transition for main roster for Braun Breaker or? Are you trying to just have Seth Rollins pop a rating on NXT and it's going to be their big match at like, I don't know, the the middle of June random show that you're going to put on between now and Great American Bash? Or is it a Great American Bash match that you really use to sell tickets? I don't like that idea as much only because it kind of devalues the rest of your title matches and stories. Uh, sure. You're using, you know, your NXT championship match, Mellow versus who knows who is suddenly just kind of boring. And if it's Mello versus Baron Corbin, um, that's already got an uphill battle ahead of it in that Corbin, I think, is slept on in many ways. They need to tell a really strong story for people to be invested in Baron Corbin as NXT world, not world, but NXT championship challenger. And if that's going to be the match at, uh, at, what is it? <laughs> I was going to say standing Great alone. American Bash. Yeah. Great American Bash. Going to Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. Great American Bash. Anyway, <laughs> if that's what the match is going to be at Great American Bash, then uh, I would not put Seth down there because it's just 
doesn't look good for anybody. No title looks good down there. I mean, I, I would probably, I probably disagree because I think that they kind of need a Seth Rollins World Heavyweight Championship matchup if your main title is Baron Corbin getting a shot at the NXT Championship. And I think Baron Corbin is very talented, but you have really established and hammered, hammered it home over the past year that he's at that certain level and that going back to NXT is kind of an upgrade because he's going to feel like a bigger star there and for the first time on tv and god knows when he got a win on trick williams last night on nxt and i think he's gonna need you know more and more wins he has a big matchup with Ilya dragunov scheduled for next week's episode of nxt and that should help him as well even though i don't know how i feel about Ilya dragunov losing to baron corbin <laughs> To each his own there. Uh, but yes, <laughs> if if Baron Corbin versus Carmelo Hayes, yeah, they're going to need a very good story. But I still don't know if that's going to sell tickets in Cedar Park, uh, Cedar Park, Texas. So maybe they do need a Seth Rollins to come down and ha and work on that big show. There's a um, there's a feeling that I have. That and and by the way, I like what's going on kind of right now with NXT and the championship because you have Breaker challenging Rollins, you have Corbin wanting to split off and do his NXT championship match against Mello, you have Ilya wanting to go after Baron Corbin, but then getting taken out by Braun Breaker. So somewhere in all of this are a bunch of matches that you set up to make the championship matches ahead even stronger. And Ilya versus Braun Breaker could actually be the match that happens on NXT to determine a number one contender because Ilya has, has a great reasoning behind it. Dragunov can beat Baron Corbin. Corbin can just pick up a win down the line. I don't know, beat up Yava Davikato. I don't know, but he can pick up a victory to make up for the Ilya Dragunov loss because uh, Dragunov going after the, the World Heavyweight Championship through Braun Breaker is a bigger move uh, and breaker potentially beating Dragonov is another opportunity for uh, for breaker not only to look strong going into seth but also tell the story of Dragonov getting beaten down by breaker and paying that off yeah i could see them they did do a good job of setting up some big matches over the next couple of weeks whether it's whether they do it on nxt television which that that is probably kind of the counter argument to what i was saying is that you do want to get those eyes on the main nxt television and i think that's really one of the points of putting these main roster stars on there and like you said you got baron corbin in the nxt championship mix you got kind of the start of a braun breaker versus Ilya Dragunov rivalry there. Then you have Breaker going after Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. All the while, you now have Mustafa Ali going after the North American Championship, seemingly, because he's going to be teaming up with Wesley and Tyler Bate to verse Schism next week. So there's all these, all these things that are making NXT a lot more interesting. And we're here talking about NXT a lot more than we usually do because they have all those things going on, all those plate spinning right now. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to want to talk about the NXT women's battle Royal and the division itself a little bit later in the show. Cause I, going back to Seth Rollins, you know, the idea kind of washed on me that we could be seeing Rollins versus Balor at money in the bank. And yeah. that makes me very interested. It makes me pretty excited for, for that rematch that we talked about. Uh, and on top of it, like it, it's, it's, it's harmless for Finn who comes back to uh, his, 
his home area. He's obviously not from the UK, but being from Ireland, there's still a close enough proximity of connection. I'm sure some people fly in from uh, from Ireland to come and see him. There, there's a there's a home field advantage that comes for Finn that I think some people would uh, would really get behind him for. And Seth is Seth. He's he's over everywhere. So the match itself sounds like it could be a real good time. Uh, is that something that you would look forward to, or is it something that you're kind of like, yeah, we're just doing it to do it? No, it's definitely a match that I would look forward to because they did have a great matchup in the semifinals of the World Heavyweight Championship Tournament. It's just another instinct where it's kind of my feeling what I had before Zelina Vega faced uh, Rhea Ripley at WWE Backlash, where I just wish WWE would plan these things out a little bit further ahead of time where, you know, Zelina got the shot in Puerto Rico, which made all the sense in the world against Rhea Ripley. But I couldn't forget the fact that Rhea Ripley had beaten her in a mixed tag team match weeks before they started that program. And now with this... I want to look forward to Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, but I still am going to have in the back of my mind, Seth just beat him in the tournament. So like, well, how does he deserve a championship one? And how do you make him look good going into that matchup too, which I don't think they did the, the greatest job with Zelina Vega. And I'm not sure if they're going to capitalize on the fact that they have three weeks until money in the bank to get, to get uh Balor some, you know, uh, credibility building victories in the prelude because they just did a world heavyweight championship matchup with Damian Priest one week after Seth beat him in a tag team matchup. So I don't have a lot of faith that WWE is going to take the time to make this challenger feel like he has a chance to get the victory here. And then that's another thing that kind of is a pushback to Seth trying to build credibility for this championship where you're going to have back-to-back kind of premium live event title to title matches for him where the the person he's opposite as none of the fans believe will win we thought that with aj styles and they had a great match but the one of the reasons why you know a lot of people were like oh you didn't rate it that highly is because i never had any doubt who was winning that that does kind of cause you as a fan to have more or less investment into the matchup if you don't know who's going to win or if there's an option or like a a moment in the matchup where they make you believe the other person can win. And I don't think they did that with AJ and, and Seth. Hopefully they can build Balor up and then have that moment in that matchup. And I don't like to do the comparison and whatnot, but they were able to do this in AEW with the last two MJF title defenses, where going in, I had no doubt MJF was going to win against Brian Danielson in the Iron Man match, and I had no doubt he was going to win the Four Pillars matchup. But in both of those matchups, they gave you that moment that made you believe, oh, this guy can actually win it. When Brian hits the second Psycho knee in overtime against MJF, they had the crowd in San Francisco on their feet and they made them believe that Brian could win. And then in the Four Pillars matchup, when Darby Allen does Last Supper on Jungle Boy after Jungle Boy puts down the championship, they had those fans in Las Vegas believe that Darby Allen could actually win that matchup. I just want WWE to kind of go off of that. And just because... Seth Rollins seems like he's the favorite. You got to give us that one moment that makes people believe, at least in the building, that Balor can win it. Okay, but hear me out. What if, uh, what if they get to Balor by doing like a five-man match on Monday? 
I mean, I feel like that's what they're going to do. They're just going to toss a bunch yes. of and Dallas is going to win. That's fine. you know. Or, or it's going to be like Bronson Reed versus Finn Balor, which is fine. I, I, I very much enjoy Bronson Reed. Um, a noted Okada beater, Bronson Reed, by the way. I don't think Finn Balor ever did that. So uh, there you go. So I, we'll see where that goes. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how they get to Balor for number one. They, they might even just do it as like a I hate you, you hate me match, and that's good enough for, for some, but I would love to see at least some sort of domination by Finn winning some matches, looking good, looking strong going into it. Uh, I see someone in the chat saying Balor's a stepping stone to Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> so not moving. Let, let's talk Money in the Bank real quick because uh, – we have a bunch of qualifying matches coming up. The one thing about Tuesday night on NXT was that Corbin and Ali both get their wins only to be like, I have motivation now. I have all the all the momentum going into Friday for my Money in the Bank qualifiers. Uh, who Who's winning Money in the Bank this year for USP3? Who's your, who's your winner? Who's your dark horse? We'll start with the men's. My favorite right now is LA Knight. They got to yeah. capitalize. They gotta capitalize on how over he is right now for the for the men's money in the bank ladder match. All of that will change though if in the qualifying matches either Cody Rhodes or Dominic Mysterio are in this matchup. Then my 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 option and my winner might change there. As far as the women, I would say EO Sky is my favorite to win the the women's money in the bank matchup. She has the match with Shotzi on Friday. I think she wins that. And I think they're going to progress the whole EO Sky versus Bailey kind of dissension in the money in the bank ladder match. Cause I think Bailey's going to beat Meachin. So that would be my two. What about you, Joe? I'm still of the belief somehow, some way that Drew McIntyre is coming back that Drew McIntyre is winning the briefcase and that Drew McIntyre is going to turn heel on all of us. Uh, That could end up being as much as him showing up and beating Seth Rollins after winning that briefcase. If that, if, if if the show kind of lines up that way and him being like, I'm doing the thing I should have done, you know, back at clash at the castle. I'm, I'm finishing my story because everyone, everyone's finishing their story in WWE right now. Okay. Mustafa Ali shows up on NXT and he's like, I am finishing my story. I'm going to win a singles championship. And I'm just like, in WWE, the story never ends in multiple <laughs> chapters and uh, your story is never quite completed. So I, that was a good triple H. That was no, a good I, triple H. Right a better one that I did the TK and, and Ariel Halwani one. It's on an old episode of, uh, of newsworthy if you gotta you gotta find it so anyway uh i think that drew coming back winning the briefcase and basically turning heel in the process that would be a lot of fun and if there's anyone who could take off that title from seth rollins while still making it look like a dominant champion and championship that's drew mcintyre he's the only guy that i see right now i know a lot of people talking about creative and his contract and all that stuff we don't know where we're at in that in that conversation so everything about that is just a big toss-up la night i know has been on everyone's radar it's been a a conversation a topic of conversation and multiple times sean and five selective have kind of said you know no one knows who's winning up at this point it could have changed between now and then uh or between now and today for for example uh so i would love to see la night win don't get me wrong uh at the same time what what do you do he he has to cash in successfully he just he has to we had austin theory have an unsuccessful cash in this past year so we gotta do it properly this time right yeah because the money in the bank is kind of 
going down as far as people's yep. like investment in the briefcase investment in that kind of story uh, trope that has developed over the last 15 years or so for more than 15 years now 17 years since the first money in the bank ladder match it's not viewed in the same kind of uh gravitas that it was back in like 2015 2016 because they've had so many misfires since then with the money in the bank contract and with these cash-ins and I still I still believe that Austin Theory is still trying to recover from last year where not only did he fail, but he failed on a mid-card title. I think that totally kind of brought down everybody's view and the value of the Money in the Bank contract when he cashed in on a mid-card title and then cashed in unsuccessfully. Like That totally diminished what they do with the Money in the Bank contract. So they have to have a winner that you know gets a big reaction, cashes in successfully, and they got to kind of make a new star again because that's what the money in the bank contract was all about you had edge kind of always being a mid carter an upper mid carter and then he got to the main event scene by cashing in on john cena you had dolph ziggler have this big moment on the raw after wrestlemania in 2013 you had seth Rollins, uh you know become to the top the top top heel in the company after kind of having that steady rise in 2014 and then 2015 he wins the money in the bank and has the heist of the century and then all of this, you know, we don't view it in the same light because it's been so many years since those cash-ins. So now you got to have that winner. And I believe like with LA Knight, he's a baby face to the fan. So I, like I said, if Dominic Mysterio is in this matchup and he continues this whole Judgment Day versus Seth Rollins thread, and he's the guy that cashes in, and you make a new star, and you kind of firmly put the stamp that Dominic Mysterio is the top heel over on Monday Night Raw. I think that's a statement. Like you said, Drew McIntyre using Money in the Bank to turn heel and win the championship in the UK. That's a good story to go, but they have to go one of those routes, or you know, with the LA Knight kind of putting it on a guy that is so over with the fans. One of those routes has to be what they go with, with the men's money in the bank. With the women's money in the bank, it's very simple. Have the winner hold it for a week. Do not cash it in on the same night. That's, that's literally all they have to do. Do not cash it in on the same night. Do not cash it in on the Monday after. Don't just, just hold it for more than a week. That's all we're acting for because we're literally, it's literally been Carmella is the only woman's Money in the Bank winner that has held it for more than 48 hours. That is preposterous. It's been six years. You know, I can't even disagree with you. It's true. <laughs> Uh, I, man, who's the last star that WWE made off of Money in the Bank? In your opinion, who is who is the last star that was made off of that out of that briefcase? Was it Rollins? Uh, yeah, I think I think you got to say Rollins. Even though with Rollins, I would I would understand if someone like had the counter argument that he was already getting there. Like he turns on the shield. When I think about Rollins becoming like a single star, I always think about the shield betrayal more than the the heist of the century. But that was kind of them putting the stamp on him as far as like making a star. Yeah, like it's been a while. Like you, Seth Rollins is the best argument there, but Braun, Braun was already a star. Yeah, Braun was already a star. Like when you think about all the winners after that, like yeah, it's it, it was 
it was Ambrose who was really already like the top baby face. And, you know, he just cashes in on the same night. You had Baron Corbin who failed, which his star went lower. (laughs) Uh, Braun who failed and his star went lower. Uh, 2019 was Brock. He was He's been a star for nearly 20 years by that point. Uh, 2020 was Otis. Uh, big, big star and, Otis was by the pool. And then he fell down and Miz cashed in and Miz was already pretty much a star. Uh, 2021 was Big, big E. e. Big E, and I would say that he would probably be like the guy that you would say, yeah, but they kind of ended his reign unanticlimactic. So it was like, uh, so uh, no, I don't know. Um, and yeah, last year was was theory. So yeah, it's been a while. So Rollins is the best argument in like recent memory. I see someone said the Miz, Miz probably another one that kind of became a star, but that was like five years before Rollins too. And even then, did he really become a star out of that? That was, and, and it's not throwing shade at the Miz. It was just going into that WrestleMania where he defended against John Cena. He wasn't even the biggest part of the storyline. The storyline <laughs> was about The Rock. <laughs> it was about what will Rock and Cena do. He wasn't the biggest star at his own main event. So, again, sure. Miz, it took a long time to get back. Honestly, for me, Miz became a big star with the with how he uh, treated the Intercontinental Championship a couple of years later. That's when he started yeah. to really pick up. And then, you know what really helped him? There was it was 2016. It was after WrestleMania 32 when Matt Cardona, when when Zack Ryder had won the Intercontinental Championship, and Miz had been floundering. And the next night on Raw, he wins the Intercontinental Championship. Maurice comes back, and we start this like big, big uh, incline in this big rise of the Miz. That's what it was. Maurice has always been the secret sauce in that pairing. Whenever she's <laughs> yes. around. And listen, listen, the, the obvious reason she's, she's a beautiful woman and everything, but there is a certain swagger and a certain confidence that Miz gets when Maurice comes around. They play off each other well. They have great chemistry on air, which is not something you necessarily see with couples. So Miz, uh, his stardom came after his first world heavyweight championship run. That's pretty wild to think about. Yeah. And it's very true. Like Maurice was the key to his like rise in 2016. Like when they got paired up, that's when he had his most successful run with the intercontinental championship, which led into the whole talking smack. It's either you can, you could say it's Maurice or Brian, Brian Danielson more than it's him winning money in the bank. That kind of gave him his biggest, you know, star moment in WWE. So yeah, I can't say the Miz is in that conversation. I see a lot of people agreeing that it's probably like Big E was the last time that they tried to even make a star with the Money in the Bank uh, contract. As far as the men and with the women, I would say they they still haven't. <laughs> like, I would say they still haven't. Like, like they tried with Carmelo for a while, but Carmelo just kind of went back to the same spot that she was already in when she lost the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, you had uh, Alexa Bliss was already the top heel in the women's division. You had Bailey, who was already a former Raw Women's Championship champion before she cashed in on Charlotte. 2020 was Asuka, who won the Women's Championship at a baby shower. 
and it was in the gift bag at the baby shower. Like, oh, a world title. This is great. Um, <laughs> at 2021 with Nikki A.S.H., which she was kind of on the rise and then went right back down by winning it in the fashion that she did. And then last year was Liv Morgan and Liv Morgan. Unfortunately, Triple H took over like a month later and was just like, nah, I'm not with this. <laughs> like, I feel like the two victims of the Triple H regime, and I know people don't like to mention this, but there are victims of people that Triple H is not as high on as Vince was, was Liv Morgan and Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans was was getting some some of the loudest boos in this company and now they can't determine what type of character they wanted to play and it was even hard for the Vince regime to figure out that too so Triple H is even having a harder route and he's made her into basically Dana Brooke 2.0 and Liv Morgan was on the rise women's championship and then Triple H booked that finish at SummerSlam and it was all downhill from there well first of all we put respect on Lieutenant Lacey over here no, we don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Lieutenant Lacey, I like that. <laughs> if it, dude, if they're going to give her a Sergeant Slaughter, then you may as well make Lieutenant Lacey. Why aren't we here yet? Why, ha- like, she is a listen up maggots away from being called Lieutenant Lucy. She does the Cobra Clutch for Christ's sake. Just do it. The one time Sergeant Slaughter was like, on Twitter, I and it's not even him running his Twitter. So let's do. I like yeah. you, Lacey Evans, for the person running his Twitter. Uh, and here we are. Except now his daughter has another thing to say about it. That's not important. <laughs> anyway, so Lieutenant Lacey is now there. Liv could have been a really big star. You're right. Triple H taking over did kind of mess things up. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's him directly that caused it, but. She won the Money in the Bank in 2022. She cashed in on Ronda, won the match, won the championship, looked good, has a lot of uh, of up, upward trajectory out of that, and a huge fan base. People loved her. And then she lost the title, and then she started smiling and being like, I'm extreme, but I'm not really extreme. And then the character got very lost in translation, and that's kind of been her downfall. Then she you know, started the, the tag team title run with uh, Raquel Rodriguez, and... Yeah, there was nothing there. And then she got injured, unfortunately. So now um, this injury could be a blessing in disguise. Hopefully she comes back stronger and better than ever. But uh, hopefully she also comes back with a well-defined character that isn't uh, her coming out and saying, hey, we had sex one time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Lana, that was the Lana bit, by the way. Don't yes, just yes, I remember. People, just reminding people that was the the return of Liv Morgan once upon a time. In you remember that, the bubble bath vignettes? Oh, I do. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> this is the real me. She was a Mojo Raleigh away from looking in and painting her face with with breakable. I don't know what they were thinking. What was that? What was that? I oh, would, and I. 
I see someone in the chat mentioning James Ellsworth as the first woman's in the Money in the Bank winner. And I got to shout out my good friend Rick Uchino because he came up with a great a great way for WWE to basically retcon that or redeem that. Now, years later, is what we were talking about with Money in the Bank, is have oh, Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley climb the ladder and, oh, yeah, yeah. and grab the men's Money in the Bank and give it to Dom. I I actually like that idea. I don't like a lot of Rick's ideas, but that's a good one. I listen to enough talking heads about wrestling that I have heard every single crackpot theory you can imagine. Some of them I'm like, yes, I prescribe to this. I subscribe to this. Let's go. Other ones I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> so I get it. This is not one of the shut up ones. This is the one where I'm just like, we could do this and it would work. And I would appreciate it. Uh, we got a super chat a little while ago from Chibro. Uh, why can we have a complainable arm flailing too, man? I don't know why we got that. Why did we get that? Is that just you trying know. to do stuff, Chibro? What are we doing here? I, or maybe I just talk with my hands a lot. I don't know. This is, that, so I'm I mean, a, that's the New York in me. I don't know. This, this <laughs> is Jew in me. I speak with my hands. I get it. it was just, Hey, I'm talking here. Wait, sorry. That's the New York in you. Yeah, that's the New York, right? <laughs> I'm talking here. Oh, my goodness. I can't really segue out of that unless I start talking about Tony D, which I don't want to do right now. Cody Brock 3. Hey, that oh. segment was money. That oh, that was money. money. Oh. They, got me, they got me a peacock subscription in here. <laughs> they want me to keep up with the craps. That, that was the best segment of the night from NXT. <laughs> it was a very good one. We're going to talk about this. Hold on. I've got, I got, I got, I got Andrew Zarian here. Hello, hey. Andrew. You summoned me. I got your tweet. How was your shower? It was wonderful. I had to go take a nice shower and get ready for the show. And now I'm, now I'm here. This is the second week in a row. All right. Let's talk. Is it the second week in a row? Were you on last I was last on last week. week? Last Thursday. Two weeks ago. No, last week. Where the hell was I? For your birthday. For your birthday. Oh, yeah. Birthday yeah, show. yeah uh, I give you the finger. Oh, that's right. You did. You and Rich. That was that was beautiful. Thank you. We got so much New York on the screen now. I know. Now we could I talk know. all we could yeah, all and you know what? Thanks for ruining my 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 Tuesday, Joel, with your Canadian uh smoke coming through. Oh yeah, everyone's True. real upset about that. It's okay. actually it, it's wild. I went outside, I'm like, I'm like, who's barbecuing? <laughs> someone's barbecuing i don't know what's going on with this whole thing like I, I know what's going on but like so i've been talking about this whole saga in our in our condo where there's no air conditioning until hopefully the end of this week and my wife today was like we should probably close the windows because the smoke and i'm like or we could not live in a hot death trap for the next few days and just yeah. cough it out yeah you could do that too it sucks. Oh my goodness. Uh, we're about to talk about Cody and Brock three. I'm sure you saw the, the rumors, Andrew Zarian, that uh, they're going to bring back a big match. One that hasn't been seen in a while. Uh, you're talking about a barbed wire match in WWE, right? Yes, absolutely. It's a buried gonna... alive match. How about a buried alive match? We haven't buried... seen that. I know, we but haven't... then you can't do something that AEW just did an exploding barbed wire death match. Yeah, I, I, I guess SummerSlam is the third. I yeah. guess that's what they're talking about. I wish it had been Money in the Bank, but here we are. What does Cody do on Money in the Bank now? Does he do nothing? Hopefully Probably versus not. Dom. Yeah, yeah, you could, as long as it's not Money in the Bank. I got to tell you, you know, and this is this is a very unique change from my perspective. My kids have recently got into wrestling, okay, big time. My daughter more than my son, shockingly. They love dominic mysterio love dominic 
Cody, fine. They like Cody, but they love Dom. They love Seth. They love Roman. But Dominic was the one. Like they, they all they want to do is watch Dominic Mysterio videos of him getting booed. Visceral and I'm like, interesting, interesting perspective to have as a kid. You have that visceral reaction. We, you want people who are getting the reaction, and that's the biggest one. You look at like biggest pops in WWE history, and you get all the Stone Cold stuff. Biggest booze. Now you're gonna get Dom Mysterio. It's like people look that stuff up on the internet. It's interesting. And tonight's going to be very interesting on Dynamite, that announcement for that match. Oh, that's right. Is it the? Is it going to be the original match? Oh, it is even better. Oh, dear. Ooh. They're going to put a barbed wire steel cage match. No, it's... It, it's uh, I, I'm... What I, what I saw, I think people are going to be... I think it's going to make a lot of sense when they, when they, when it's announced. I don't want to ruin the spoiler, but I, I'll ruin it to you, Joel. Course. To USB, I'll, I'll ruin it to you too, but uh, I don't want to ruin it for the mess. But I was actually, I, I saw it come in yesterday. Somebody sent me the uh, the card, you know, what the match announcement is, and I was like, that is a very unique, yet kind of uh, makes makes a lot of sense main event for the first one. Get ready! I'll for tell you this: it's not a one on one. No, it, it's Ooh, CM Punk okay. versus Tanahashi. Uh, in a, in in a buried alive match, yeah, yeah buried alive <laughs> match, yeah. I think they call it a casket match in that in that company. It has to be a buried what alive. They, what do they yeah, call yeah. it? What do they call it for Jungle Boy and Christian? It wasn't oh, was buried. buried alive. Was it called buried? It wasn't called no buried. last burial. Last, last, final, last burial. Burial. Final, final burial. Final burial. Final burial with Christian and Jungle yeah. Boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Goldberg's coming back. It's gonna be Goldberg and CM Punk versus Jericho. And oh, who man. knows who? And Brock Lesnar. I would love that. I want all those bizarro matches to happen. I I want I want an MJF and Goldberg team up. Uh, I want I want like it, it like it's like her, his father in law. You know, he's dating Goldberg's daughter, and Goldberg is just fed up with this ass. You've watched TNA twenty eleven, haven't you? You're on too that much. hinge, that Pluto yep. hinge. Too much, too much of that TNA 2011. It's gonna be, it's gonna be Goldberg and Wardlow versus Powerhouse Hobbs and QT Marshall. I mean, listen, Ooh. we're talking about Goldberg, right? It, it, fascinating, though. It's interesting, right? Because this was, I'm curious if what the reaction would be if or when Goldberg shows up in AEW. I think people will play along. I think yeah. fans get upset. Or do you think, or do you think we'll get like what what happened in WWE? Is like I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. Of course, that's going to be the immediate reaction. They're going to be like, oh, it's taking away TV time from the pillars or whoever. I and whatever, it's fine. But if you're going to have them for a couple of shows, then people will, and especially if it's only a few shows like in quick succession, then yeah. I don't think the I don't think the complaints are going to be warranted at this case. It's not like people who are like, "What's the story between Danielson and Okada?" It's like, buddy, you know what the story is. Two of the greatest wrestlers out Two there, the greatest right of all time ever, yeah, exactly. you know, out of each other. Here we are. You don't need a story. Listen, it's non-canon. You know that that whole show, and I like it being non-canon. It should be dream matches, but I do find it interesting that they're doing Osprey and Omega, not in Wembley. So that was the big story, right? That's what everybody was saying. Like, well, that should be the Wembley match. Who says it's not? I, I think it's a trilogy. I think it's a trilogy. Yeah, I think it's a trilogy think it's, as well. Because they did their first it. match in both guys' second home of Japan. They're doing the second match in Omega's home country of Canada. 
it would only make oh, sense yeah, that the third match happens in Osprey's home country of England. And the extra layer to that is the first show was a New Japan show, solo New Japan. The second show is a co-branded New Japan AEW show. The third show is an AEW only show. Everybody spreads the love and gets the money out of it. So it, yeah. it makes sense. I, I don't know. I don't want to see a trilogy with them. I, I don't know why. It, it, it's, it's, and I think it's only me. I, I, I honestly think like this is one of those like bad takes I have because I'm so everybody I've spoken to is like, no, they should do a trilogy. I'm like, no, nah, man, I don't want to see it. I want to see something different in that building. Well, I mean, you've got a 17 hour show that's going to happen at Wembley. So Kenny Omega <laughs> and Bill Goldberg for the title. I, I love it. There you go. The, the original U.S. champion versus the IWGP U.S. heavyweight champion. On top of that, Goldberg attempts a V-trigger. <laughs> and he ends up kneeing himself in the head, and he's bleeding um, everywhere. Fantastic! He's con- it'll be the best ending to that match. It would be. I, I think that's the way you do it. And he, somehow he bangs his head on the turnbuckle and his knee simultaneously. It's a very Goldberg's been stretching a lot. He's been doing that DDP yoga. Yeah. Well, I I got an interesting call uh, from someone at Warner uh, yesterday, and we were I, I you know we were just having a conversation, and and it came up. I was like, what do you what are you guys expecting for this for the show? And this isn't someone. This is not someone that is like me in the analytics. You know, it's just someone like that. That's very in the know over there. He's like, I don't know. He's like, what do you think it's going to do? I'm like, that's a little worrisome. <laughs> that this conversation is not happening in your department. And he started laughing. You know, but I, I'm curious, both of what you guys think. Like, what is a good number for that Saturday show regularly? Five fifty. Oh, man, yeah, you're I'm, going lower than I expected. Most people are talking 700. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's the number. Like 730 would be a great number for a Saturday. And I think it's only because of the Battle of the Belts that was on and what that did the first one. I think the first one was in the sevens. Oh, yes. so I, yeah, I did this whole runaround with Rampage when they did the CM Punk stuff. And I said, it's going to start in the 700s and then it's eventually just going to ramp itself down to a, a modest 400 450 and where are we now we're a little bit lower than that but at the time it basically ramped itself down to a modest 400 450 it was just it's just there it was never i don't know where people got the idea that it's like oh it's the third hour of dynamite so it's huge it's like no it's a tape show most of the time and it doesn't really have much yeah. bearing continuing on from dynamite uh, the amount of time that it's given in terms of the creative circle is not much so what uh what does it matter yeah, I think I think Rampage, you know, last week was an interesting Rampage for sure. And I and I hope that that's the direction they're going to go in now. I wouldn't you know. Yeah, put I on, thought, put I on thought these that was the, matches. I thought that was the best Rampage in like a year. Like, oh, yeah, big time. Unfortunately, it only did 357,000. So it's just like, I know it, Tony, sometimes if it doesn't do the, the number that he wanted, or at least what it did the week prior, where it was over 400, he might revert back to what it previously was. He was like, well, if y'all aren't going to watch it, I'm not going to give away these great matches. But where else could he put it? You know, and, and I think this has been the problem. Like I, the conversation went when we started talking about, a, you know, a two hour Saturday show, everybody's freaking out like they don't need another show. They don't. I'm like, no, it's to- they, this is the one scenario that I would say they need another show. And and they're like, well, what makes you say it? I'm like, look at all the trios. Yeah. Look, look at all the trios that you see. There's a reason why they're doing all these mixed man matches. It's to get people on TV because they don't have enough time. Now we're going to see, you know, like Bro- Brody King, 
that guy should be doing a bunch of singles matches and looking like a monster and building him as a as a contender for the title for any title. Uh, same goes for same goes for Malachi. Same goes for a lot of these guys. I think now you're going to be able to separate them, which is fantastic. Now, I mean, with Punk, um, Punk Joe, uh, let's say Juice goes, Jay White goes. Uh, you know, now you got a full uh, Miro's there, Andrade's there. You got a really you know, impressive roster. If you really look, FTR will probably be there because they're punks guys. Yeah. You got a really strong roster that, and I'm looking at this. I'm like, you know, it just on paper, right? If we look at what the roster is currently and what it could be. And if you had Jay and juice on there, uh, fantastic. Jay and juice. They, they need to call <laughs> them Jay and juice. They, they got to forget about the bullet club. Jay and juice is a way better no. name. Bang, bang, gang. I love bang, that. bang, I gang. Love the, I like bang, I bang, gang. The, I love the bang. Whenever he says it, I pop. I'm like, bang, I like, bang, gang. Yeah. I like bang, bang, gang also. Yeah. Until but, somebody, until somebody misspeaks it. And here we are. <laughs> well, what, who are the bang bros? Wasn't, isn't there a tag team called the bang bros? Yes. There are yes. bang bros on the indie scene. There was the banger bros for uh, Seamus and Drew at once upon a time. Yeah. So, um, I think when you look at the roster, you're saying, okay, well, this is this is a pretty refined roster. It's not, you're not, and I'm sure there's going to be more people there. You could do something really unique here with this show. I don't know if they're going to be able to. I don't know if the creative is there. I hope it is. I hope they create some captivating content. And I hope that CM Punk doesn't go bananas again. Or muffins, you know. As, yeah, as banana muffins. Yeah, he went, he went banana muffins. So uh, you are wrong, by the way, Joel. That is not the match. Uh, it should have been the match. Yeah, that is not the match. My my ROH senses were tingling. I just put my guess. Oh, man. In the, you know in what? The you are the, you are the closest that I was, have seen. Yeah, that was that was yeah that was a thing for sure. <laughs> I had that in the back of my head. We're all we're all getting there. Oh yeah, so, there you go. Okay, that is the closest. Yeah. So <laughs> I listen. Would you watch? I mean, that's a blockbuster main event, right? Yeah, most definitely. Yes, yep. I would enjoy that. If someone doesn't jump in the crowd and break their ankle again, I think that's a fantastic match. That <laughs> yes, just don't do that. Don't do that again. Every, you know, imagine, imagine the what if timeline. I was if, about to say, there's an alternate jump. universe. There's an alternate universe where that man does not jump there. He does not break his foot, and he wrestles Tanahashi. And you know, Mox doesn't get the title, and uh, Hangman doesn't get the you know Hangman doesn't get that 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 feud doesn't happen the way it did, and everything is kumbaya. That was a catalyst, you know. Brett leaving it WWE was. was one. CM Punk breaking his ankles, another one. <laughs> it was like imagine or foot, he's whatever able he to, did. He's able to stay. They actually talk out what happened in the in that go home promo with Hangman. They could talk about it while he's there, and it doesn't fester for two months. Like, where would AEW be today if that never happened? There's a lot of those. Uh, there's a ton of those. And I find I always find those what ifs really interesting. You know, the, just how the trajectory of, of everything changes, creative changes. Um, you know, I, I, dude, this is the hottest wrestling's been since I would say probably 2016. It's going to bring up, I was about to bring up Valor and Seth. And that was 2016. And was that 2016? Yeah, that was SummerSlam 2016. And we're about to do that again. Yeah. I, I and because that, that really, 20, I would say 2011. Uh, saw a resurgence like 2015 2016 with the bullet club stuff like new japan was booming in 2016 um 2015 2016 and then now you know nxt was on fire and now we have you know a lot of going on nxt's been good tv i'm enjoying it 
I'm not, yeah. you know, there, there has been a shift here. They, they're changing a little bit, and I'm more intrigued in it. And I'm someone that stopped watching NXT a while ago. I'm begging the chat to stop talking about ratings because you don't know what it means and why it's important. <laughs> I'm begging you to stop. I don't. I, I, I think I'm you. I'm gonna. I, I'm in. I'm very knee deep in the rating stuff, and, and I'll say you cannot compare ratings from a couple years ago to today. People view yes. people viewing habits have totally changed, totally. And even when you look at these ratings, I, I, and this is my prediction for this. Um, I, I expect this the overnight numbers, like the the next day live numbers, to become a thing of the past in the next five years. You know, more and more companies are starting to talk about DVR plus three and the cumulative number over the last week because of embedded advertising within the shows like Cricket Wireless. Is it within the WWE, you know, on the show? Progressive is on the show. Uh, The Lugs Boot of the Week was on the show. Those rating those numbers are going to mean a lot more uh, as the overall goes when they're gloating about these numbers, because the real I mean, that real Smackdown number is not. Two point whatever they did to what is it two point? I mean, the last segment was three million. It was two point five. Two point five million. That's yeah. not the. I mean, you're talking. It's closer to four million. Yeah. And if you're talking, if you're saying like, well, SmackDown, four million people watch SmackDown. That's a whole different conversation, and your perspective changes on what these numbers really are. You know, same thing goes for AEW. You know, AEW is doing you know, let's say shy of a million, but in reality, they're doing around one point three to one point five million viewers a week of dynamite if you add the dvr plus three and whatever i I mean i could be off right now i'm going based on you know months ago with the numbers but it's always higher um also social media numbers say a lot uh youtube views say a lot clips say a lot uh the 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 overall interest in the product everything is is calculated now so differently where the end all be all isn't your total views you know, SmackDown, we're talking about a 0.7 something that SmackDown did in the key demo. And we're talking about that's a monstrous number. That's still a fraction of their audience. Yeah. So it's that was, very, it's that was without, I think the last time they did a number that was that big was when they had the NFL lead in. And like, yeah, it's it, it's a lot bigger. You're right. Because when you count everything and account for they did, what, 400 million views for just that segment on social across their social media accounts. It's a lot more than people even know. Like, that's why I tend to not really talk about ratings is because I don't really understand everything. And it's it is always funny when fans think they do when they really don't. You're just reading what what uh, Brandon Thurston and WrestleNomics puts out in a tweet. Yeah. And, and and if you listen to Brandon talk about it, it's a very different conversation than a tweet. You yeah. know, it, it's yeah. Brandon is the numbers guy and he sees it and he gets a lot of it. There's a lot more parts in it. I, I think, listen, it's part of the culture of wrestling to talk about the ratings. Uh, wrestling created that. Nobody else. The fans yeah. didn't create it. It was it was uh, the competition between the companies and, and the 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 dirt sheets, as as uh, they put it. Are you trying to tell me that the Monday Night Wars ruined wrestling, Andrew Zarian? Um, you know, I I think it changed <laughs> how fans view wrestling. I think I think it, it really affected how fans view wrestling. Uh, I, I I'm not saying in a bad way or a good way. I don't know what wrestling would be if we didn't have you know the the internet discussion behind it. You know, wrestling has evolved so much where. 
you know, they're working you top to bottom. You know, a lot of the stuff that you see on social media, a lot of these stories that are put out, I'm telling you right now, they come from the companies to, to kind of get people talking and to got, get interest out there. So, you know, where, where did we, where did, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, Joel, where did uh, this AEW only selling 40,000 seats in that building come from? I don't believe it was it was the thoughts of a guy from ESPN that just happened to say, I'm putting this tweet out there and I did my due diligence to find out that they're only going to sell 40,000 tickets. Right. Listen, that, that's when you play. That, that's a game that is tricky to play. It's, it's a very a little, tricky. Yeah, sometimes you fall dirty. flat on your face and sometimes it works. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's dirty and sometimes it works. And sometimes, like you said, it flies back in your face. And I don't think... In this case, nobody was harmed by it because uh, they did quite well with the sales and were able to prove that, no, 40000 was not the setup. Yeah. And no, that was not the expectation either. Yeah. And Tony's reaction, you know, people were like, how could Tony, you know, Tony's reaction was not. I'm like, Tony knows something. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm like, that's not. I'm like, listen, I know that people like to paint this crazy picture of Tony Khan being this, you know, uh, crazy deranged guy that goes off on the Internet. But, you know, if if you knew what he knew. You would probably have reacted that way, if not more aggressively, considering this is the biggest moment in the company's history. You know, uh, same goes for WWE. There's a lot of nonsense out there that's that's totally untrue. You know, and other people put it out there. That's right. Katie Vick was never dead. Katie Vick was never dead. Never. No. That never. Never dead. Never. Never. Dead. Never happened. Yeah. That never like, ever happened. Like lost. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's fascinating stuff. It is. This uh, this is an enlightening conversation. I'm glad that we got there and. We we got all the scoops now. Well, you got it. I'm going to tell everyone the second you go offline. I know you are. I know you're calling Sean. It's like it's like Zarian just told me what the main event is. It's going to be on Fightful Select in about 30 minutes. And you know what the best part is? It's probably not because I'm probably just not going to tell him. I think Sean. Now I'm contemplating. Do I ruin this this big moment for everybody, or by putting a tweet out, or do I just shut my mouth? Listen, if you want to peek behind the curtain, Sean's not doing listen to your boy today, so Sean's not around today. So there you go. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't like ruining matches. I don't like ruining surprises. I do. <laughs> I, you know what? I said that, and someone's going to find a tweet where I ruined some WWE surprise. They're like, oh, you only ruined WWE. You don't ruin it. WWE. I'm like, I've ruined a lot of WWE. <laughs> I ruined. Listen, guys. I ruined TV 14 for all of you. I'm so sorry. That's that true. was you all on me. Yeah, you did. They did a reverse up. course because of my yep. tweet. So I. I one day I'll tell the real story of what happened there, and you guys will think it is the most insane 40 minutes. I guarantee you I won't, knowing that, n- knowing how sometimes this business works in television or lack, or, or how it doesn't yeah. work in some cases. I got a call from someone at WWE screaming at me on the phone saying, you effing ruined it. <laughs> they were half joking. They were half joking, though. Half joking. They were half serious, but half joking. So you ruined uh, our ability to get Blue Chew as a sponsor on Raw. Oh I no! Know. I know. But you know what? Though, thank God for guys like Sean and Brian Alvarez that went on the air and was like, "No, Zarian did his due diligence. This was a thing. This was real. I saw the conversation because I would have looked like such an idiot." If those guys didn't go out there, even Dave, you know, they put in the newsletter like, no, no, no. I saw what Azarian saw. It was 100 percent happening. Oh, yeah. One day when you sit down and talk about it, it's going to be a very funny conversation. Well, I I was I was at dinner with a couple of the guys from there and that was like for 40 minutes. We just drank whiskey and they just told me everything they were planning on doing that I ruined. So (laughs) 
I was at Longhorn, no, not, uh, the old homestead in uh, in Manhattan, and oh, I, I, I and that. and I told them I was paying for the bill, and I said, "Sorry, guys, I don't have my card. This is all on you now." We drank the most expensive <laughs> whiskey in the building, and I left. Smart you guys man. busted my balls for for three hours. I'm out of here. So I got to use the bathroom. I'll be back in one second. <laughs> I went out the window. <laughs> one of those back window deals. I get it. You did that to me when I was in New York last. I get That's it. That's what I did to you. Yeah. <laughs> leading, me, leading me down empty streets to go to Arthur Ashe Stadium. Oh, yeah, you, did go, you did go down the back way, right? We went, we went through traffic because the, the roads were closed. We did a whole it's so thing. weird to get to Arthur Ashe, even from the I, I did it from the train station. It was just so weird. It was like why why so is it like that Arthur Ashe? You know, there's like a special way to leave the building, right? There's like a back alley. And <laughs> so we were leaving. This is actually I got a great do you have like a minute here about Dude, this? We got two hours on this. Show. All right, fuck <laughs> it. Like, we got two hours. Who cares? I gotta go to work. I gotta get on the train in ten minutes. No, you don't. Um, I know. I, I kind of do, I kind of don't. I know. Um my uh, we were with my lawyer that that's like knows everything in new york right he's like a savant and he's like no 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 we, we're leaving because I, I bail early i don't stay till the end i want to get on the long island railroad head back home it's like seven minutes from me so he brings me through the back rich gets lost somewhere in this process of leaving and he ends up backstage and he's now he's now they think he works there and he's holding the door open for everybody so like here comes like Britt baker and sting you know and him and sting are having a conversation and somebody finally realizes after like 40 minutes of him just wandering in the back that like he doesn't belong there and i i'm gonna let him tell the story because it was it was like the wild west nobody knew why he was there some people were fine with it. Other people are freaking out that someone. And he's like, dude, I'm just lost. I got lost. I'm trying to go home. He just got he's caught like, up in where's it. The exit? Where's, where's the, the exit? exit? And he's messaging me. He's like, you need to come back and get me. I don't know how to get out of this building. I was like, where are you? He's like, I have no idea. He somehow ended in, up in City Field. I don't know. There was some tunnel. I have no idea how the hell he did it. Yeah, it's because it's weird. Because the only the only thing I know that is like that is in uh, when in o, o, in Oakland they used to have like the way to get from like where the Athletics play to where the Warriors played. It's similar to that with Arthur Ashe yeah. Stadium and City Field, is what I've heard. Yeah, we uh, it was it was a fun trip. Are you guys? Is anybody coming to this one? Joel, you're gonna come to New York. If somebody wants to pay for my plane ticket, yes. I mean, I'll be at the <laughs> door in a couple of weeks, so I got that going for me. Well, the, you got there forbidden you go. door. Luckily, luckily for you. There we'll you go. I, yeah, I, I'll be at I'll be at Arthur Ashe this year. Awesome. Being at being at the first one was great. Last year, I don't think I missed. I don't feel like I missed anything. Uh, no, last year wasn't the same feel. No, it, you know, no. you didn't really yeah. have the mega. I mean, listen, you had Omega and and Danielson open the show. Exactly. You know, like I saw that. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I could go home. <laughs> I came. I actually came home and I and I went on Denise's show and I ruined that they're doing a TBS title. So <laughs> that was my. By the time I got home, she was still doing a watch along. Yeah. Oh my god. So, um, we'll awful. get to the super chat in a second. Uh, the, the rich story, honest to God, just reminds me of the story of it was when AW was in New York. I think maybe even at, on Long Island, there was the story about the guy who pretended to be a friend or a confidant of Jeff Hardy and got backstage 
and was like dressing with the wrestlers and everything. Do you remember the story? <laughs> no, I don't. It was, it was on Select. It was a whole typical, thing. Typical Long Island guy. Yeah. And then yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking it's Long Island because MJF like took care of the guy, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, either way. It, I, it, it, was, it reminds me of the guy that looks like uh, Clay Thompson and got into the shoot around for the Warriors. Because he looked like Clay Thompson. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing a hood. He has like the Clay Thompson type of face, and he got in until he started taking shots. And they were like, "Oh no, I'm you're not supposed to be here." Go. Um, well, next time they're here, I'm just gonna show up. I'm like, "Well, no, no, Will, Will, I, uh, Will, I know Will." <laughs> like, ask Will if he knows time. Andrew's area. <laughs> yeah, t- Tony said it's okay. Just be like, "I'm John Alba. I do interviews here now." I'm John Alba, I'm here doing interviews for Fight. For Fight TV. I'm I'm doing international AEW content. I took him out to dinner last week. I took Alba out to dinner. We went to Mastro's. Yeah. I'm I'm jealous. Now you go to Canada. Come here. Come to New York. No, come to New York. I'll take you to dinner. I'll take you. You'll join too. Let's go. I live live in New York. Why am I in the only one you haven't? I'm in Harlem. Oh, you're you're in Manhattan. Yeah. 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 As long as you're not in Brooklyn, you're okay. As long as you're not in Brooklyn, I won't go to Brooklyn. Yeah. That's how it goes. No, no, I know. I don't do Brooklyn. I don't All right. Brooklyn. Before before Andrew leaves, let's just get to this from why so soulable. Okay. As the Punk Elite Discourse split the AEW fan base, and will fans of Punk stick with AEW when his time is up with them? I think it's an interesting conversation. Uh, I'll throw to you first, Andrew, and uh, kind of get your idea if this is something that's splitting the uh, the, the fan base with Punk and uh, the I I think. I think if it continues, it'll split it more. If like their their problems continue, I think the best thing they got to do is make that match happen. If, if Tony doesn't make that match happen within the next year, then I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be as negative as say he failed as a boss. But really, it's on you as management to make your biggest match possible, and that is the biggest match that company could have. There's nobody. I mean, what other match can they put on that's bigger than you know Punk FTR versus the Elite or Punk versus Omega? Uh, you know, you you have two real money making matches that you could draw out for months, for a year. You could continue a program if these guys want to work. And you know, you're in the business of making money. You know, and I think people, everybody involved, realizes how important this working, this 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 punk run working is for the company. Uh oh, Eggman is here. The Eggman. I thought I thought you told me Sean's gone. <laughs> well, he is. I don't know what you saw there. That was yeah, just a desert that, mirage. That was definitely not SRS. I said. So. Yeah, that was not Sean. Yeah, that was just the Eggman. That was Eggman. Cuckoo, cuckoo, Jew. You know, this show is my favorite show now in the mornings. <laughs> I get it. It's, yeah. it's quickly becoming mine too. Oh yeah, this is this is like I, I'm I'm a caller now. I'm not I'm not I'm not like Andrew Zarian like <laughs> analyst. I'm Andrew Zarian calling. Long time, first time. That's that's how it's long time long time watcher. Yeah. First Listen, time you need you need to add some whack packers, right? To the show. I've been thinking about this so much. You need a news you need a news lady. Yeah. You yeah. need someone to do like like sound clips, Better. like like re- like fart noises. You gotta make this into a morning morning shock jock show. There you go. There you go. I gotta, I gotta, go. I gotta load up the board with more stuff. Hey, you are oh you are great. three months away from becoming the next Stern show. And I'm looking oh my forward God. to this. <laughs> when do I get to have like Metallica in a studio somewhere in LA? That yeah, that, that's Beetlejuice. Yeah, I'm Beetlejuice. <laughs> you need a Beetlejuice. <laughs> you need a you need a Hank. <laughs> you need an Elephant Boy. You need all this. I'm just I'm just listen. I'm just throwing out some ideas. I need women riding giant. Anyway, not going yeah. there. Uh, yeah, like, Whoa! 
<laughs> get great old. You know, car. you could do there your you show go. from from my place. You could do it from my from my workplace. I'm sure I could. That'll and work could for you. Just cross. Yeah, that's right. I'll just cross the border every single day. Every day, just come over. That's, that's it. Right. Get my Nexus right. Pass ready. All right, I'm out of here. Goodbye, guys. Thank you, Andrew. Bye, Andrew. Misses. <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> uh, thanks to Andrew Zarian for showing up for that reason. My God. Uh, so, so I guess SP3 got asked the same question that uh, that why soulable? I want to call him sociable for some reason. Why soulable? Asking about CM Punk and the Elite, and uh, is it is it splitting the fan base? Will it split them further with Punk once he's gone? Like, what do you think? I think that it, it probably is going to be more of a vocal minority that is going to be against CM Punk. And we kind of heard that in, you know, San Diego, which is kind of the Young Bucks kind of stomping ground. Anywhere in California is the stomping grounds of the of the elite. So I think that you heard that with the kind of the initial like pop and cheers that went into some very loud vocal boos. Like CM Punk has the potential to give us like, 2006 through 2009 John Cena type reactions where you'll get initial pops and reaction for his for his you know music and his entrance and then you'll hear the fans that are not so happy for him and I agree with Andrew that it's up to Tony Khan the best way that he can respond to this type of reaction that CM Punk is potentially going to get is by giving us the match that we all want we want CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite we want CM Punk versus Kenny Omega. And they can go so many different routes with what they're doing right now with the Elite and or Blackpool Combat Club, where a lot of people are alluding to the fact, and I do as well, that it's going to lead to the introduction of Kota Ibushi joining the Elite to even the odds against the Blackpool Combat Club. They can also do other matches where you don't have to have CM Punk in the ring with the Elite. It could just spin, spin off of that where you can do Golden Love versus FTR. You can do stuff like that. Like there's so many different options. And I think the natural progression of things is, especially if you're bringing in CM Punk, like what Sean talked about on backstage report yesterday, bringing in CM Punk to potentially work with be the bullet club gold that is currently working with FTR seemingly starting a rivalry with them yesterday that can all spin off and you can break up the whole elite Blackpool combat club and what's going on with CM Punk FTR and bullet club gold. And then the, natural thing that everybody's going to want is for these kind of two trios, these two units to meet up in the ring somehow, some way. And definitely if you're not going to do Osprey and Omega three in London, you want to get one of those matchups there in the biggest show possible for AEW. Yeah. I do find it interesting that uh, there's still so much elite content that can be, and so many elite stories that can be told we have, th- there's got to be a way that the punk stuff eventually kind of veers into the elite story or at least interacts with i it's i found it really interesting that a lot of the conversations that seem to be happening is about the brand split is that they're going to do a soft and then harden it over time i was always under the impression that it would be the other way around and that really the hard brand split was just to get through the rough few weeks that are going to start with you know Punk coming back to work and a steel being there and all that till eventually and inevitably they're all under the same roof at a pay-per-view let's say oh yeah. i don't know forbidden door in about three weeks that's going to be a test uh, they might just keep everyone separate it's a giant ass building put people on one side and the other whatever i don't know 
But it always felt to me like this hard brand split would have been the opportunity to let people operate in the same company, not under the same roofs, but eventually they would have to come under the same roofs and then they would have to find ways to coexist or figure out what they're going to do next. There is money to be made and I know they all know this. So they need to figure out when when they're going to get over it, if that's really what it comes down to. Or maybe they'll never get over it. That's also a possibility. Again, everyone reacts differently. Everybody uh, handles things differently. Some people just never want to see the person again. I get it. Uh, it, it is a, it's an experiential thing. So with Punk being back, it doesn't hurt AEW. I think the spirit, quote unquote, of AEW is still the same idea uh, in in the elite lore, if you will. And Punk is just like, this is my version of AEW, hence Collision. It's just a different operation on the the same standard platform. So... Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where my brain is at. Punk, punk, and the elite can eventually coexist, but I think we're just we're we're nowhere near there yet. And I think Punk needs to kind of fall in love with being in an AEW locker room again because now he's he's fallen in love with wrestling and he talks about how much he misses everyone, but he doesn't miss everybody. He misses wrestling. He misses being on TV. He misses doing what he does. Now he needs to miss what the other people in his not his company, but in the company he works for, he needs to miss what they do and want to work with them. Yeah. He has to miss like that feeling that he got when he first came to AEW where everything was good. And if you'll remember, you know, in the weeks leading up to it, who was the, who was the guys who were kind of hinting at punk coming in by just wearing certain shirts and stuff like that. It was the elite. It was yeah. Kenny Omega wearing a Cookie Monster shirt and and then Young Bucks mentioning stuff in promos. These guys are the guys that have been your friends for a few years and whatever happened, you know, who's he said, she said type of things kind of cause you to get away from that and cause, you know, egos and stuff like that to get in the way as well. So I think that they just have to get back on the same page. And I do agree with you. It's going to take time. It's going to eventually lead to when they're in the same building together and they can sit down together. And it's also going to lead to what happens when CM Punk is back on June 17th, because, you know, all we've heard in recruit and reports and rumors, all all this time is that punk does want to apologize at least for what he said during the media scrum. And I think whatever he says to the locker room, when he's finally back in the building is going to go a long way to eventually mending the fence between the people that the fence really needs to get mended for. Yes. Punk has to apologize to in the entire locker room for how he made the company look with his comments during the media scrum. But eventually all of that is going to circle into the young bucks, uh, Matt and, Nick. It's going to lead to Kenny Omega, which my catchphrase all this time has been, Kenny Omega did nothing wrong. He saved a dog. Just wanted to make that clear. Just wanted to put that out there. He saved a dog. He's a dog saver. How I view it, and I and I think that this is a missed opportunity from the Saturday Night Lives, from the, from the Chappelle shows, Key and Peele, anyone who's doing like parody and, and sketch comedy, 
and and maybe it's just I just have to get all my people from True Hill Heat in the same building because someone needs to do a parody skit of what happened with the Brawl Out Brawl. I think that's a huge missed opportunity. Like we get all these parody sketches from LeBron being backstage, you know, after the game when he loses and stuff with the homies over there on their YouTube channel. We need someone who's a wrestling fan to do the sketch of what happened in Brawl Out because I want to play Kenny Omega coming to the room like guys 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 the dog the dog the dog ow why are you biting me i'm trying to save the dog like i need someone to do that that it's, is a missed opportunity it's him saying oh the, the, the dog bit me and then looking over and be like wait a minute the dog didn't bite me it was you no and and, and i'm not talking about wrestle park a shock that's a cartoon i'm talking about people actual people doing it and wrestle park has only done like oh them having a meeting and you know apologizing to each other they haven't done a sketch of oh, no, what happened jerry blah oh no, well did. if they did that's a cartoon that's not the same to me that's right. not the same to me i need actual people to do this because that that's the real comedy i need something like a saturday night live on that tv to do something like that that is what i really want that would be gold and because Kenny Omega just saving the dog and getting bit, getting the, he's like ducking chairs, and he's like, and you do it like in slow motion, like he's Quicksilver, and he just has the dog in his hand. <laughs> That's what I want. But yeah, they really just have to mend the fence there because everybody will be talking about this for as long as this goes on, especially when CM Punk is back. Of why we are not getting the match, the most money matchup that AEW can offer. Uh, some some breaking news. Uh, Iron Sheik passed away. The uh, former WWF champion, the Iron Sheik, man who is, I mean, come on, uh, a legend. Uh, I have, um, I have a lot of <laughs> interesting interactions with the people who managed him for the last few years. But Sheik himself was a pioneer and uh, just an incredible, incredible wrestler, incredible character. I know there's a lot of people who will. Uh, make reference to the gimmick battle royal at wrestlemania 17 i know i will because it was one of my favorite chic moments in terms of his comedy uh oh man it sucks I, I i hate to see it but uh iron cheek passes away uh age of 81 years old one of yeah definitely a pioneer when it comes to like the foreign heel foreign heels for the past 40, 50 years have just been kind of going off what Iron Sheik kind of established. And he will always be a part of like wrestling lore as the champion that Hulk Hogan defeated to start Hulkamania. And just his Twitter account, man. He had the best Twitter account, especially if you said his tweets in his voice, uh, Jabroni, and he's the one that gave Rock the Jabroni line and stuff like that. There's so much stuff. So, you know, our you know thoughts and prayers and uh, RIP to Iron Cheek and thoughts and prayers to his family because uh, definitely a pioneer in this business, 100%. If you head over to their Twitter, it's at the underscore Iron Sheik, uh, S-H-E-I-K. Uh, I know I make that mistake myself sometimes. I before E, except Iron Sheik. Anyway, uh, check check out his Twitter. Uh, his management had, had posted, and the family, of course, posted a, a, a pretty um, heartfelt, wonderful. No, it's a note. It's a notes app, but it's a very uh, a very loving reflection on uh, on his an announcement of his passing. So, Iron Sheik. 81 years old. That's uh, that's wild. We need to continue the legacy of Iron Sheik and always call out Hulk Hogan for being a jabroni. 
Yes, absolutely. Hi, giant jabroni, Hulk Hogan. Masaru uh, <laughs> Ali Vaziri was his uh, was his name. So yeah. respect the Iron Sheik. Listen, go go watch go watch some Sheik. Go watch WrestleMania 17. Go watch the Battle Royal. Please. And, and, and for anyone who's not old enough, because you know there's people in the chat that's like 20, 21, 22. You need to realize that Iron Sheik won the gimmick Battle Royal because the man didn't want to take a bump. That's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? You know, he there was a there was a documentary released about Sheik in 2014 that was really well done. Um and again, I have my my qualms about his management. They turned him into a bit of a parody. We talked about the Twitter account. You read it in his over-the-top character voice. Go watch that, that documentary from 2014. It really paints a, a very authentic story of the life of Iron Sheik and everything he accomplished and everything he overcame on his way to being a, a superstar wrestler. In the chat, Sheik versus Slaughter. Like, come on. There's there's a lot a lot I I jokingly say the battle royal but like that's just because that's that's one of my like most favorite funny memories of him. Absolutely. Also, didn't he appear on? Yeah, he appeared on the the most wanted treasures, didn't he? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, we got uh, Mr. Big Dude. He says WWE did a really good A and E special about his life this year. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can go back and, and watch from Iron Sheik, not just from like you know the last 20, uh, 20, 25 years, like a lot of his stuff from the eighties is kind of like timeless stuff that you can go watch and how he was like one of the, one of the pioneers of the foreign heel in WWF, WWWF, uh, his tag team with Nikolai Volkov, uh, doing the, the Russian national anthem and doing, uh, waving their flags and just the amount of heat. And you know me, like my, my Twitter account says true heel SP three. And that's because I love a true heel and there might not be a more true heel in this business that there's ever been than the iron cheek. So definitely going to be one that's going to be missed. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll miss him. We'll, we'll miss him. He's been mostly out of the, uh, out, out of the spotlight, but this will, this will definitely be an opportunity for some people to, to remind themselves of just how wonderful he was. Uh, yeah. Good stuff, man. That sucks. 81 years old. All right. Back the Hulk Hogan. That's right. Humble him. <laughs> we started talking about Cody Rhodes and Brock chapter three. Seems like it's going to happen at SummerSlam. I thought it would have happened to Money in the Bank. But hey, whatever. It is what it is. There's been this rumor now going around that there's a stipulation coming up that we haven't seen in a while that they're going to do. Uh, I, I put it to you, SB3. What the hell is this? What's, what's the stipulation? What are we going to do? Cody Brock 3? What, what is it at SummerSlam? So they said it's a stipulation. It's a wild one because it's one that they haven't used in a while. So I've heard of a couple of different ones from other people. I heard, um, you know, first blood match because Brock is the only guy who's allowed to bleed apparently. But I, I don't know about you, Joe. I don't know about the people in the chat. I hate a first blood match because I think the whole point of blood in a matchup is that the match goes to another level when blood is around. For the match to end on blood, I've never liked that. I've never I don't know if there is really there's been that many first blood matches that I actually like. So I don't want that to be it, even though that fits the bill as a stipulation they haven't done in a while. One that Brock has excelled at that they haven't done in a while is the stretcher match. 
because Brock and Big Show stretcher match from Judgment Day 2003 is one of my favorites, a favorite of that stipulation with the forklift spot and stuff like that. I love Brock in those stuff, and, and Brock just makes – he can make that work, and that would be interesting, even though that's another one, that there hasn't been too many stretcher matches that I enjoy. But I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed Shawn Michaels versus Batista back in 2008 as well. So there's been more of that matchup that I've liked most. but. The one that I really want to see and the one that I think they should do is a dog collar match. I know that WWE hasn't done a lot of dog collar matches. I think the last one was in NXT UK, and mainly that went down because Vince McMahon didn't know that NXT UK existed at that time when it happened. But it is a matchup that that it fits both guys. It fits Cody Rhodes because he loves the old school wrestling. And one of his greatest matches of his career is Brody Lee versus Cody Rhodes in a dog collar match in 2020 during the pandemic. And that wasn't seen by wrestling fans because there was there was only great the hammer valentine and a couple of employees from aew in the crowd for that so his one of his greatest matches wasn't seen by live fans now imagine that type of matchup with someone like brock lesnar the beast incarnate who can you know he'll bleed he'll bleed for this matchup elevated in that type of way in front of a loud sold out crowd in detroit michigan that's the type of like closer to this to this feud that would work the most i see a couple of people say in texas bull rope match but that's another match where i was like I don't remember too many Texas bull rope matches I I like very much, but that also fits the bill. They're pretty similar matches, strap match, Texas bull rope match, dog collar match, all similar matches, but I just love the visceral hate of a dog collar match. They're just a different type of vitriol in a dog collar matchup than the strap match or a Texas bull rope match. So my call is a dog collar match. So they've never done a dog collar match outside of that match you mentioned, Eddie Dennis versus Wild Boar in NXT UK, where Vince had no idea that uh, <laughs> that that it existed. It's fine. It's fine. God damn it! Why didn't anyone tell me this show exists? <laughs> they're gonna show up. They're gonna show up. Like he's gonna be a dog collar match. What do you mean a dog collar match? And they're like, "See, we did it just a couple of years ago, Vince." He's like, "What? This what? just happened?" <laughs> it's so limey. Ugh. Anyway, uh, so that's that's one. Uh, they, they, they've only done that one. That is recent. They're saying it's a match that we haven't seen in a while. So you mentioned First Blood. Last First Blood match was June of 2008 between JBL and John Cena. So that was the last time First Blood happened in WWE. They also did, uh, again, going back to the First Blood thing, I hate First Blood. Just like you like you mentioned, blood is an accelerator. It's not the end of a match. And every time, like sacrifice, impact sacrifice, they did a first blood match, a busted open match between Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray. The match was trash, but that's not it was so, it wasn't good. The same, they did the same finish that you do in a first blood match when you want the heel to win. And that is the heels busted open, but someone comes in and the refs get bumped and then they cover up the face. So you don't see that the heels bleeding. And then they bust open the baby face. They show the referee that the baby face is bleeding. Yada, yada, yada. The the heel wins despite everyone's bleeding. Who cares? It's not fun, (laughs) but a submission match was one that Jeremy and I had been talking about for a little while. The last submission match in WWE was SummerSlam 2019 with Becky and Natty. 
you could do that. And the reason I say it is because the Kimuras played into the finish, yeah. uh, the last match. And then before that, it was the key lock finish where, you know, Cody gets the pin while he's in a submission. So again, submissions have played into both matches so far. So you could do a submission match. And also it plagues the question, what the hell is Cody Rhodes's submission finisher? Cause so far we haven't seen him with one. And if it's a, a figure four, I don't see Brock, you know, tapping out to a figure four. So we'd have to figure out what Cody Rhodes's finish is. Uh, his, I don't think I don't think I don't think that matches uh, submission matches what they're gonna do because I don't see Brock being like okay I'll tap out to him. That's the thing I don't know about that general feeling, um, but I, but I hear you. I think it's most likely to be a Texas Bull Rope match. It's a Dusty favorite. The last one was in yeah. twenty uh, two thousand seven. It was actually Dusty's last match, like last real match, and With he Orton? faced Randy Orton. So you could easily do that because it's a big, that's a big ode to Dusty is what that is. So you put that on the table Uh, or Cole Miner's glove match. I mean, everyone loves Cole Miner's gloves match. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Or, or, or a 49ers, a 49ers, (laughs) San Francisco 49er match. Oh man. Come on. Uh, Someone's saying an Inferno match. God forbid. Oh, please no. Please no. There, there's enough wildfire going on outside that you don't need to put Detroit. You're going to start a tire fire in Detroit with a with an Detroit, Detroit and fires don't mix, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just want to let y'all know, not the wisest decision here. It's going to be a Glock match. Arn Anderson <laughs> presiding. Arn Anderson on a pole with a Glock match. Right. They've done Arn Anderson on a pole. It doesn't work. Oh. Do it! Come on! That's Someone, the only way he could finish off Brock is with the clock. Someone in the chat asking if we're aware that Cody is uh, Dusty's dad, or Dusty is Cody's dad, other way around. Oh, for real? This is new. Yeah, they never mentioned that. This is new. And adversity <laughs> is Cody's special uh, special thing. <laughs> so that's his big special. <laughs> the thing he's most associated with adversity. Absolutely. Adversity. So we we. But, are, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say they have done with this whole Brock Cody feud, uh, you know, set up Cody where he doesn't have to immediately get his rematch with Roman, you know, uh, at SummerSlam because he has this ongoing feud with Brock Lesnar. And I think they've done it also a great job with laying out pretty much a year, the rest of the year for Roman Reigns, as far as what's going on with the bloodline implosion with Jimmy and Jay and all that. But what is Cody going to do after SummerSlam if he's not getting back to the undisputed universal championship it's a good question i don't even know i don't know what do you do with cody do you have him go after dominic mysterio and the rest of judgment day for a little while i i would think that you know after the promo segment that they did that the the logical thing to do if you're not going to do a singles match and you want to wait on the singles match between dom and cody is basically you're setting up cody's 
feud for after the Brock feud before the Brock feud is over. And then you can have these two guys, Dom and Cody in the money in the bank ladder match. And then we have the same scenario that we've already worked out earlier in the show where Dom wins money in the bank and he eventually cashes in on Seth. And then you have a reason for Cody to go after the world heavyweight championship because Cody going after the world heavyweight championship while Seth has it, doesn't like the world on fire to me. I think I've done thinking did Cody and Seth the best they could have in the three matches where almost every match was better than the last. And the last one is one of the, the one of the best and most memorable matches WWE has done this decade in that hell in a cell match last year that I don't need to see Cody and Seth fight again for like another two, three years. So having Dom be the catalyst for kind of taunting Cody. Like I finished my story, but you still haven't finished yours. And that gives Cody a reason to go after the world heavyweight championship. I think that would be the thing to kind of keep him busy until eventually he has to go back to Roman and really finish his story. I mean, what if he just goes back to Roman? I don't think they're going to do that. Hey, I, don't, I, don't, I, I think the only two places they will ever do Cody Roman to is at WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're probably not going to do it at SummerSlam this year. That's fine. Yeah. So they got it. I don't know. They got to figure out what to do with Cody. And it shouldn't be a world title show. Do Gunter. It, it, you have Imperium with, uh, with KO and Sammy. So why not have Gunter and Cody? Why not have that as a six-man tag option? You got the tag, different tag variants. You could do that. That wouldn't be a bad opportunity during the fall. And then Survivor Series this year, you can bring back the brand supremacy. But at least this time, you know, they did the brands a while ago. So it won't feel so so jarring and so ridiculous that it's like, I was on Raw last week, but this week I am Team SmackDown to them. Sorry, that's the wrong guy. Uh, that's kind of where I would be is you, you have Survivor Series mean a little bit more. Find a reason to make Survivor Series mean something going into the Rumble season, which has been talked about for years and years. Have the winner of the five-on-five brand supremacy, whatever, become like top five for the Rumble and the losers are bottom five, whatever it is. Just find something that makes the Rumble matter in the context of the Survivor Series brand stuff. Yeah, yeah, I would have I would have like if it's like the sole survivors ha- get to pick their own number in the Raw Rumble or something like that. Like, yeah, I would I would love for them to do something like that, but I don't see that happening. But I do think that this year's Survivor Series should be the battle for brand supremacies because, like you said, it's been a while since the draft won, and you don't want them to do the war. I feel like the war games, if it's in an arbitrary spot every single year, then it's going to start to feel like how Hell in a Cell has, fought, has has felt. Like, where you always know they, these guys are going to feud with them. Like, how it was really with NXT. I always knew some group of guys, some group of baby faces are going to feud with Undisputed Era around this time of the year to lead to war games. I don't want it to be like that. I would love if they alternate Survivor Series, so every year it, it just feels fresh. It feels new, where one year they're doing the battle for brand supremacy the following year they're doing war games the following year they'll do brand supremacy again and then so on and so forth i think that will be make survivor series fresh and different every other year or so and that would be a good thing for that show that you know doesn't have 
the the lore of what WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and even Money in the Bank. It's now the fifth the fifth biggest show of the year for WWE. And I think if they alternate what the theme is, I think that will help to put it at least on the level of a Money in the Bank SummerSlam. Yeah, and I'm thinking Cody and War Games, though. That's a thing. That does this does fit the bill, though. That is appealing, and I and and he's got to lead a team to war. He has to. It just feels like it's inevitable. But do you do that this year? Strike while the iron is hot, or let it go for another year, and he'll be like, I don't know. He's the, he's the champion, and he's gonna lead a team to war. I don't know. There's there's a lot of places where you can go with Cody in war games, but like, it's inevitable, right? Yeah, I can definitely see that where, you know, like we said, we could see Cody kind of feuding with Judgment Day after he's done with with uh, Brock Lesnar and say, this is the way we get Cody and Seth on the same team together against uh, the Judgment Day. And you could do, you know, you could throw another, you could, it could be Judgment Day and Imperium have, have joined forces together and they're, they're going to take down everybody. And it's, it's, it's Dom, it's, it's uh, Damien or Finn. Cause I don't know by the time we get to war games, if both of those guys are going to be in Judgment Day anymore, who knows? Or maybe it'll be, you know, the four, a four on four where it's uh, Dom, Finn, Damien and now JD McDonough is in Judgment Day versus Cody, Seth, and KO and Sammy. That 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 makes for a fun. That would that's a war games I would love to see. That I would be down for that 100 percent Because I don't see the bloodline being back in war games if we are getting war games this year, because I don't see I don't th- I don't see the family smoothing things over by November. Uh, a couple of things before we start to wrap up. Uh how was that Bobby Fish interview? It's getting a lot of traction. A lot of people talking about it. And I saw someone in the chat mention it. So I want to, I want to give you that because uh, it, that was a really fun interview. And uh, yeah, what, what, Bobby Fish, what the hell? <laughs> I, I'm re- I've really been blown away by the, the coverage that it's been getting. And I, you know, I appreciate, you know, Fightful for doing some articles on it and Wrestle Talk has done some articles on it, but it was, it was honestly a very eye-opening and fascinating type of uh, interview for me because I, I went in with like kind of preconceived notions about Bobby Fish and, you know, certain things I've heard or certain uh, things that reports have said he did. And I went in with a preconceived notion and he totally flipped it on his head, like immediately, even before the interview started with me, uh, where he kind of like got to know me. And, you know, we were talking stories about our kids and stuff. And I just really liked them even before we started recording because we had that little quick conversation with each other. And then just really how the interview went where I wasn't really kind of looking for, okay, I'm going to ask this question. I got to find out this and that and this and that. I really realized like just from really talking to him and doing my research before the interview that I had really seen a lot of his career. Like I saw when he first initially came into Ring of Honor and then doing my ring search, you know, knowing that he had spent some time in pro wrestling Noah around the time that I like 
found out about pro wrestling Noah made me want to ask questions about that and it really felt like it was it turned into like watching it back and transcribing the interview it really felt like I gave like a really great kind of interview as far as like a career retrospective and even he kind of um, when he when I reached out to him and let him know okay the interview is going to drop this day uh, I'm going to post it on social media he even said he was like he was like thank you for the interview because he was like you really made me kind of think about my career in a different way from different interviews that I've done. So it really meant a lot that he said that to me. It really meant a lot that I got to get to know him and talk about his career so in depth and learn so much. Like the, the one question that, that popped me the most is finding out who came up with Red Dragon and why the D and the R is capitalized in red. Because that always bugged me. That always bugged me because I'm, I'm such a long time ROH man and my good brother Sat said it when he retweeted the interview as well. He was like, you're a ROH historian because he's like, I want to see this interview because I know you love ROH and I realized I had seen his entire ROH path and that was the one thing when I thought about his ROH time. I was like, why is the D and the R capitalized? And he was he just told me off the bat that it had to do with this initial rivalry in Ring of Honor. So it was so great to kind of get to know him as a person and get to look at his career in a different perspective so yeah it, definitely it's an interview that i'm very proud of and i've been telling everybody it's kind of probably my favorite interview that i've done this year and in general on the true hill heat youtube channel it's a very very good interview it's very special Thank and you. uh it's again you, you talk about kind of breaking expectations or at least going in with expectations come on how many times do we make jokes about his age how many times do we make jokes about you know bobby fish has been around since abraham lincoln was wrestling all that stuff when you finally get to talk to the guy, it's different. It's it's always yeah. going to be different. There's, there's preconceived notions, and then there's the actual uh, the actual conversation at hand. It's it, and it's a good one. I do encourage people to go check that out. It's uh, it's over on True Heel Heat's uh, YouTube channel, is it not? Yeah, go check yeah, it out. It's up there right now. Let's uh, let's talk about NXT for a minute. Let's go back to the uh, to the women's battle royal. Do you have a chance to see it last night? Yes, I actually watched this whole episode of NXT, like you said, and like what Andrew Zarian said. It felt like one of like the the better episodes they've done this year. It's been a very good week in general for WWE because I thought Raw was the best episode of Raw this year, and this episode of NXT just felt like stuff was going on. Where usually, like NXT, I kind of will watch like half of it and then go to bed and watch the other half in the morning. Almost made it through like the entire episode and. And really, I enjoyed uh, a lot of the show and the Women's Battle Royal. It did a good job from like other NXT Battle Royals that they've done where they kind of sewed some stuff like outside of who was the winner of the matchup as far as like different rivalries and revisiting different rivalries like uh, Roxanne Perez going at it with Cora Jade. Then you had the whole thing where um, Blair Davenport came out and she starts brawling with Roxanne Perez and then Tatum Paxley, who's kind of, I thought they had just been kind of positioning her as kind of like a jobber again, despite her having that whole storyline with Ivy Nile. She sacrificed herself to beat down our, Roxanne Perez and join up with Blair Davenport, where I thought Blair Davenport was going to kind of be in the singles division. Now it seems that she's going to probably be in the tag team division with uh, Tatum Paxley and that alliance. They had the whole thing with uh, Miss Jackson, Lash Legend with uh, Ferroitz and um, and her partner. That was that was pretty cool as well. So a lot of different things other than the winner I thought was at play here, even though I will say, gotta admit, Dana Brooke 
being on the show. What? What are we doing? I thought it was just the free agents. I thought they literally said it's just gonna be free agents on in these in on NXT, and now we have a raw star who came over for the battle royal. That didn't make any sense, but that's the only thing that bugged me from that battle royal. And and you had Vic Joseph doubling down and saying that that she is a free agent, even though uh, no Dana Brooke is a is is a raw superstar. Uh, and again, I just found it funny that they were like Dana Brooke. You want to be on the main event? And she's like, sure. And then they realize, oh, no, we meant the main event match on NXT, not main event, the show that you're normally on every week. So she came down for that. It was weird. I don't know what they were doing with, with having Dana Brooke on, but I echo a lot of your sentiments. They did a really, really good job with the Women's Battle Royal, having a lot of different stories during the fray. Uh, Thea Hale wins the Battle Royal, uh, comes in, shocks everyone, which – I love because this is a good test for Tiffany Stratton to not only have that big first title defense, but also have it against someone who's up and coming, someone who can eat the L and still look good and also kind of build on her own repertoire. She's already had an ongoing story going with Chase U and with, uh, who was it? Uh, Drew Gulag. Gulag. And Charlie, Charlie Dempsey. Dempsey. That's right. I keep messing up Charlie Dempsey in my head because I keep thinking of his daddy. But anyway, Charlie Regal. So <laughs> Charlie Regal. <laughs> Charlie Regal over here. So so I get uh, with them working together with the Hale, there's a really interesting story that's building there uh, where she's not going to win, but it's fine because she'll look good in defeat. Also, talking about women's tag teams kind of joining up and, and coming together. You saw at the end of the match, Chase U comes out. They're all celebrating. They got Thea Hale on their shoulders. And who's holding Thea Hale on their specific shoulders are the Cavender Twins. NXT NIL standouts. Very popular, beautiful girls from from their realm of of college sports. And I have a feeling, call me crazy, that this whole story with Thea Hale and Tiffany Stratton, the match ends with the Cavender Twins turning on Thea Hale, joining Tiffany Stratton, and Stratton has some uh, some heaters, someone new to, to to be at their side. I wouldn't hate that idea, and I wouldn't hate them doing Tiffany's uh, Tiffany's epiphanies or the Cavender twins. <laughs> that but, would be great. I would love that. I actually yeah. didn't think of that. That would be great. <laughs> That's just where my brain is. We'll see. I you mentioned that uh, Ulisa Leon and and. Um, Oh my God, now I'm doing it. Uh, Valentina, Valentina Feroyce. Yes. I, I know Feroyce. I, I always forget uh, Ulysses because yeah. he got, I think she got her injured. So I yes. forgot her name. Yeah. She, she was the OG uh, ACL terror. Now they're all yeah. tell. Now all the women have their ACLs torn. So Feroyce and, Le- and Leon being eliminated by Legend and Jackson is really good because this is like the fight for the soon to be vacant NXT women's tag titles between like the only two tag teams left. It's literally like the, the, this is all we got match for the NXT women's tag titles. And for Royce and Leon are going to win and that's fine. Cause it's going to catapult them. Legend and Jackson are going to keep doing their own thing with, uh, with no Dar and, and Oro Mensa and all that. That's fine. It's all good. Uh, and then yeah, Tatum Paxley who had been kind of dragging for a little bit, aligning herself with Blair Davenport. I like it. It works for me. They did enough in this match to make the actual uh, battle royal make sense and not just be the reason for which we determine a number one contender. Other stories were were made from this. Uh, and then finally, of course, when Fallon Henley eliminated Keanu Jean, she just says, yeah, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> But that that's another one where it went back to what I still believe 
It's the best story NXT has told this year is the 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 ballad of the virgin of Brooks Jensen, even though they didn't complete the story because the how you make it into a true teen drama was finding out that Fallon Henley was actually in love with Brooks Jensen. They still haven't completed that story. They still haven't, you know, tied that tied that thread in a bow, but that was a little revisiting that we needed from that uh that whole story with Fallon Henley eliminating Kiana James. We saw in the uh Post a pre match backstage and also in the matchup, uh, Kiana James started a rivalry with Gigi Dolan, which that's what Gigi needed to do. And I like the fact that they kind of kept Gigi away from JC in this matchup, despite JC being involved in here. So I think they did a couple of really good things to set some stuff up, especially the Blair Davenport versus Roxanne Perez is a matchup that I definitely want to see. I think that might be arguably the two best workers on the NXT women's division and when they go at it that is a must watch and then earlier in the show uh Blair Davenport got a win over Danny Palmer so they did a lot for the women's division I agree with you that Thea Hale was the right choice because she already has her ongoing story going on and just coming up to Tiffany Stratton it's a very much of a litmus test of can Tiffany Stratton make her opponent look good and look on the same level as she is and I think that they need to keep Tiffany probably in the backstage promos because this promo this week was much better than the one where she was out there. And I know I saw Manny in the chat and he was in the chat for serving face and heels over on true Hill. He, and he's, he's friends with Tiffany where he said that Tiffany was kind of nervous being in front of the fans. And you could tell that even if you didn't, you know, talk to her that she kind of felt nervous. She just needs a little bit more time before they can kind of give her the standalone promo without anybody interrupting her. But I think she's going to get there eventually. Sounds like she needs more Tiffany epiphanies. She does. She does. You know, there's there's a lot of Tiffany epiphanies that you can get at the Tiffy Top. That's right. The Tiffy Top is is the place we all want to be. All right. Final few minutes we've got here. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite tonight. So loaded card, a lot going on. We already talked about the big main event for Collision, which... You and I know, but no one else is going to get to know until Andrew Zarian spills the beans later on, I'm sure. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, th- I think I'm very good at this fantasy booking thing because I, I, was, I was almost there. I was almost yep. there, you said. He just I, had to change one thing. You got it. You got it eventually, but that, that's all that matters. It's good. Uh, yeah, Dynamite tonight. So, I mean, listen, we can start from the top, work our way down for the International Championship. Orange Cassidy defends against Shane Swerve Strickland. This feels like... Uh, this feels like the end of the line for Orange Cassidy to me. How do you feel? Is this Swerve's big event? Despite my feelings of like Orange Cassidy's reign has been probably the best title reign outside of Zack Sabre Jr.'s TV title reign in New Japan. I would say Orange Cassidy's right there and 22, de- 22 defenses or, or what is it? 23 defenses now. He, he has been amazing in this role, but I really feel like it's Swerve Strickland's time. It needs to be Swerve Strickland's time. He is a guy that has been uh, a guy I've wanted on my TV more, more than what I've gotten. And he was doing so great, so much great work as the AEW world champion. He is probably a lot of the reason why the acclaim became as popular as they were, because he played a great foil for them that got them over with the AEW fans on another level. And I think he could do the same thing as the international champion with whatever the next up and coming baby face there's going to be. And I think to really establish his new year, 
unit with Mogul Embassy. He needs this win here. Listen, you're you're forgetting the like most important part of all of this. Swerve's cousin, notable <laughs> uh, AEW employee, Will Washington. Where is Dynamite tonight? <laughs> it is. It's in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We Family are- gonna be there. Family's gonna be there. They're all. Everyone's coming to work tonight. Okay, everyone's coming to watch Swerve win the big one, and that's just how it's gonna be. I don't this hate is it. True. I don't hate it. So, <laughs> so last week when I saw the match graphic, and I immediately went to look. Where is Dynamite next week? Oh, it's Colorado. Is it? Okay, I see what's going on. Uh, I'm just yeah, exactly. Noted Mariah Carey fan, Will Washington made it happen. So uh, we'll see. We'll see tonight. Listen, I think all the cards are there for not just it's time, and I think Swerve is the right person to win it. Uh, but also there is a lot of story to be told with mogul affiliates moving Swerve up the card. There are other people coming in to view in terms of uh, new opponents for Swerve and. There's a chaos tag team match tonight as well. You got best friends and Rocky Romero teaming up, which is hilarious. I love that. Whenever they want to use the the, the forbidden door stuff, they're just like, "Who's a chaos?" Rocky. Oh, the entire AEW roster. So, yeah, you got Rocky who's here, and of course, best friends. So Chuck and Trent are going to team up with Rocky Romero to take on Mox Uter and Mox Uter, of course, Moxley Wheeler Uta and Claudio Casignoli. Uh, they're representing Blackpool Combat Club. Who? Who's the big Japanese store that, that's going to show up at the end of this match? Mm, who is who is the big Japanese? I mean, there's a lot of chaos members, ladies and gentlemen. There is a lot of chaos Where members. Is Sue, is Sue going to drop them off in the van? In the chaos van? Please, in a van, in a white van that just has chaos on the side because they don't really have a logo. This <laughs> is chaos on the side. That would be so so great. Um, I'm I'm gonna I don't know who's gonna show up for this match. I think that because I like I said I did the whole all together again preview before here, and the most notable name that is not on all together on Friday, I think is gonna show up on this show. Will Ospreay. I think Will Ospreay, there's a reason why literally every single member of United Empire outside of Kyle Fletcher and Will Ospreay that is healthy right now is on all together again, except for those two. So I think that I wouldn't be surprised if Will Ospreay is on tonight's show. I don't necessarily think they're going to be on in this type of matchup. I think that the way they're going to build to Okada and Danielson is Danielson's going to probably be on commentary. I think they said that in the tweet uh announcing the matchup i think uh blackpool combat club gets the win and then we probably maybe get an in-ring promo from danielson kind of echoing what he said up in the mountains about uh okada and trying to take him down coming up at forbidden door but i think that the if it is going to be a new japan star on the show i would think will osprey is going to be that that's an interesting take i don't know i don't know if you bring in osprey that quickly but what you're what you're saying makes sense so we'll see there's there's got to be someone from new japan or maybe from the strong dojo that makes an appearance there there's a billion bullet club members so maybe there's not going to be a chaos bcc japanese integration maybe that's enough just having rocky romero maybe yeah. this jay white ricky starks max 
poor Ricky Starks. I can't believe I'm going to say this. His match gets interrupted by the BC guys because there's a whole legacy group now running around. You got Alex Coughlin in there. You got Gabe Kidd running around. You've got everybody. Everyone is Bullet Club again. Everything old is Bullet Club again. What What's going on with uh, Jay White and Ricky Starks tonight? Is this going to be the integration or is it going to be, maybe it's going to be the, the New Japan Dojo? Clark Connors could show up for all I know. David Finley could show up and Finn Juice is back, baby. Hey, I, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to do Forbidden Door and not have any interaction between the two different bully clubs of Bully Club Goal and and I got to put on my, my Gato voice because Bully Club needs a rebel. The world needs a rebel. The rebel David Finley. Um, I don't know how you're going to not integrate them and I don't think they're going to have uh probably the the LA Dojo now uh Bullet Club members interfere here. If there's a member of Bullet Club that I think can join up with BC Gold, it would be Kenta. Uh, I would I would say Kenta would be the one that I would associate with Bullet Club Gold. Uh I see El Fantasmo in the chat. El Fantasmo's not a Bullet Club member anymore and he's a very, very popular babyface. So uh for all those fans that are hoping or wishing for El Fantasmo to join Bullet Club Bullet Club Gold, I don't see that happening because Bullet Club Gold are just great douchebag heels, as you saw from that promo last week. But I think that, uh, yeah, we're going to see a new member of Bullet Club Gold or somebody associate with Bullet Club Gold, which gives Jay White the win over Ricky Starks. Action Andretti, Bullet Club Gold member. Bullet Club Gold. Why not? Why not? He got gold hair. That works. That works. He got gold hair. That works. That works for me. But it's not. I, I I really am firmly about. It's not ELP. ELP is too popular of a babyface to be with the heel faction in AEW. Oh, I agree. I, if anything, I think ELP would join Ricky Starks, and they yeah. would do a thing for for Forbidden Door. That's how I, I that's see that. one thing you could do. Uh, I wouldn't hate it. But again, I, I see people are saying Finley hates Jay White. Yeah, that's great. Uh, he does, doesn't hate his former tag partner, or maybe he does, and maybe they start a thing within the Finn Juice Alliance. I'm just spitballing, folks. And Ooh. with Kenta, with Kenta, it makes sense because Juice helped Kenta win the strong openweight championship back at Battle in the Valley. So maybe it's just is it might Kenta did align with with David Finley, but he also still has that association with Jay White. Jay White was the leader that was of the Bullet Club when he came in. None of the other members of the Bullet Club, except for David Finley, attack or hate Jay White. There it is. There's a lot, lot of options for Forbidden Door people because the show's three weeks away. You got to start, you know, making matches because you've got two massive ones. Do not get me wrong. You've got, you know, Kenny and, and Osprey. That's a big seller. You've got Brian Danielson and Okada, Kazuchika Okada. That's another big one. And I'm sure they'll show the Okada press conference on the show tonight and just kind of revisit the fact that these are two massive matches to be having on your card. Uh, but it's time to you know, move a few people into Forbidden Door card territory. So I look forward to that. Uh, moving past that, Jungle Hook teams up to take on Preston Vance and Realistico in a Texas Tornado tag. Why Why isn't it a, a, a Colorado Colossal Tussle or something? I don't know. Colorado, Colorado Springs tag team match. Yes, um, Springs I- Tornado tag. All, <laughs> the, all, the, all the tornadoes in Colorado. 
<laughs> you know, they get them all. Um, I, I think this is going to be a fun matchup. I see Jungle Hook getting the win. I'm not too sure we're going to get what a lot of people want out of this, which is Jungle Boy turning on Hook to finally turn heel. I think they might play this out a little bit longer. Maybe after Forbidden Door, we get the, the Jungle Boy heel turn that everybody is looking for. I don't know if it's going to be tonight, per se, because the perfect opportunity was last week when he had a chair in his hand. As soon as Hook turns around, boom, chair to the back. That was the perfect opportunity to now hold it off for this week. I don't see the reason to do that. Yeah, I would hold off on the Jungle on the jungle Boy heel turn for a little while. I want to see Jungle Hook. You know, I, I want to see them go far as a tag team. I want to see them maybe even go as far as challenge for the AW tag titles and lose. And then Jungle Boy just loses his shit. He does, he does what his mentor taught him. His yeah. mentor turned on him when he lost the tag team titles. When him and Jungle, when him and Hook lose their tag team championship opportunity, that's when he turns on him. And then Jungle Boy joins Bullet Club Gold. Hey, I wouldn't mind it. Hollywood Jack Perry. I just I, I he he don't even need to join Bullet Club Gold. He could be on his own. Just have associate him with Anna J. Anna J is not is not meaning much for JAS. Have her join up with Jungle Boy and be the heater for him. Say, my girlfriend has a fat ass and a bad attitude, and I'm Hollywood Jack Perry. Uh, and then he comes out wearing black and white and says, well, let me tell you something, bro. No, sorry. Uh, speaking and of He plays yeah. the, the chair like like he's La Parka meets Hollywood Hogan. He's Kyle O'Reilly, for Christ's sake. <laughs> Uh, Jungle Boy O'Reilly. Anyway, for the TBS title, speaking of Anna J, Janet J, she's going to go after Chris Statlander's TBS championship. Uh, Chris wins, but they hopefully something comes out of this, right? Like a next challenger or Anna J losing and getting pissed off and maybe being like, I got to figure out what to do next. What are we doing? Or is it just a match for a match? I think Chris Statlander wins, and then, you know, we don't do the same thing we did last week because I think that's uh, a trope that a, that Tony Khan does a lot with uh, AEW, especially the women's division, is do the same thing from the week prior. This week, we have Taya Valkyrie actually come out and kind of stake her claim or either either do that or watch the matchup from the ramp where we get a clear indication she's the real feud for Chris Statlander because she feels like she did all the work and Chris Statlander got all the glory at Double or Nothing. You know how like when you get a cat and the cat is like doing the, the stalking and you look away and then the cat does a few steps and then you look away. Ty Valkyrie is the cat right now. She's going from the TV... <laughs> She's going to show up on the ramp, and then she's going to do a next match. She's going to be down at the ring, right in front of the ring. And the next thing you know, you look, and she's right in front of you in the ring. And she's just like, I want my title shot, bitch. Exactly. Exactly. The kitty cat stalk. That's right. Kitty cat Valkyrie. Anyway. <laughs> I don't, know. I don't know what I'm doing here. We're just getting out of here. Uh, listen, this is a fun show. Thank you, SP3, joining me uh, on short notice. Uh, Jeremy, in all likelihood, won't be back on Friday. Well, uh, listen, if you're available, SP3, you're welcome back. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. You, 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 I said, I'm the sixth man of in the weeds. You got me in the weeds, and you could just pick me out from the weeds whenever you need me. I, will, I would love to join. I always have a good time talking wrestling with you, Joel. And 
one thing we forgot from Dynamite, MJF is contractually obligated to be on Dynamite tonight. And I think we either get MJF Tadahashi indications <laughs> for, for Forbidden Door, or it's going to be a multi-man matchup with MJF on the opposite side of the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Sonata. Oh my God, it's it's just five guys versus MJF and his four guys. Yes, give it to me, Korn. Put it in my veins. I just five so guys much. versus the Jewish guys. MJF <laughs> just gets random Jewish guys. Five Jewish guys. <laughs> That's it. We're doing it. Now I'm hyped. We can't, nothing else is going to take away from this. Just five guys versus just five Jews. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm about to tweet it out when we're done. Just five guys. This is just five Jews. I'm in. We're done. This is it. Nothing can beat this. Get Goldberg on the phone. Get everybody. I don't care what Cole you got. yeah. Just five Jews. Okay. Oh, all right. Uh, let's plug the stuff and get out of here. SP3. Go ahead. Follow me on the Twitter machine at True Hill SP3. Uh, like Joel said earlier, True Hill Heat YouTube channel. My interview with Bobby Fish is up there later today. We dropping our all together again preview, previewing the huge show with New Japan, All Japan, and Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, tomorrow, I actually tomorrow I'll be on the Fightful Main Channel. Yes, I don't know how they got it by because Eggman or Sean Rossap, they don't like me too much, but. Steven Jensen does. My other favorite Jew. Another person who needs to be a part of Just Five Jews. I'll be with him him on the spotlight tomorrow at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Special start time. One hour earlier. 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. I'll be joining him for that. And I will also be on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel for our AEW Dynamite review. And then back here on In the Weeds on Friday with Joel. You'll see me a lot on the Fightful channels this week. It's always fun seeing SP3 around Fightful. It's always fun to have SP3 here. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, maybe on Friday we'll have someone else uh, drop in on us for a little bit too. Uh, thank you to Aaron, Andrew Zarian who randomly showed up and dropped some uh, dropped some news and dropped some scoops. Just for us though. Not for y'all. I'm sorry. Not uh, Just not for you. But maybe later. Anyway. I'm at Joel Pearl. J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. I'll be back. I, I'm producing Listen to Boy this afternoon with CVV and uh, and Jimmy. And then actually on Fightful Select, myself and Jimmy will do List Goes On because, I, I don't know, CVV is too important. I don't know what the deal is. But uh, actually, I do. He has an interview. So go check out uh, go check that out. And then, of course, tonight, AW Dynamite post show on the main channel. Stuff dropping here on Fightful Overbooked every day. So why don't you go ahead and just drop that 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 like button and then hit that subscribe button and tap the bell and get the notifications. Everything comes up. All at once, and I do a bunch of stuff. I'll be back Friday, 10 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, friends beyond the binary. We'll see you in the next one. Cheers.